Lesson 10 for March 4 through to 10, The Holy Spirit, The Word and Prayer. Sabbath afternoon, March 4. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that on the Sabbath we can again study your Word. And it is this week we look at the relationship between prayer, the Holy Spirit and your Word. We pray that that Holy Spirit will be with us, that we may be blessed in our study, but in our personal lives too. May we show through our lives that not only do we love you, but that your Spirit is working through us. We pray in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we shall pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Let's read that again, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we shall pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. True spirituality and prayer go together. There is no real spiritual life without vigorous prayer. After the need for repentance, perhaps one of the greatest and most urgent needs is the revival of our prayer life. The good news is that even in our prayers we are not left without the help of the Holy Spirit. Prayer draws us closer to God. It lifts us up into His presence. The prayer of faith enables us to live in response to the abundance of God's promises. Our lives are transformed when we claim the blessing God has promised in His Word. God is more than able to supply all our needs according to his riches, as it says in Philippians 4.19. True prayer and authentic spirituality always have God at the centre of our attention, and both are rooted in his written word. We should not be basing our spiritual life on our unsteady experience and subjective feelings, nor focusing our prayers on suspect contemplative and meditative practices. Rather, our spirituality has to be guided by the Bible and to follow God's will as revealed in His Word. It is the Holy Spirit who awakens in us a desire to seek God's presence in prayer and to lift up one another in our supplications. Sunday, March 5. Prayer that is pleasing to God. Even though clothed in pious cloaks, many prayers are guided by questionable motives. We might pray that someone's life be spared because we do not like living alone. We might pray for success in God's work because we are playing an important role in it. We might pray for the conversion of a person because then our life will be easier. Often our prayers centre more on what we want rather than on what God wants. Prayer that is pleasing to God has a different focus. 
question. Read John chapter 15 verse 7. Why is it important for our prayers that we abide in Jesus and his words abide in us? What other focus will our prayers have if we don't abide in Jesus? Our text is John chapter 15 and verse 7, which reads, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. To seek God first and to enjoy his companionship is more important than anything else he might give to us. If God comes first in our lives, we will want to do what he wants. His thoughts will shape our desires. Once God is the centre of prayer, we will begin to pray from his perspective. We will start to see our whole lives through his eyes. This perspective ennobles prayer. God is deeply interested in us. He longs to be part of all aspects of our lives. Our worries, our fears, our wishes, our hopes, our desires, our success, our joys, our failures. Everything. We can talk about these things with him as with a good friend. And we look at all of it through his eyes. Prayer does not change God, it changes us, because we are brought into the life-changing presence of God. Steps to Christ, page 93, one of my favourite quotes. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive Him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to Him. End of quote. What a powerful quote. It captures so much of the reality of what prayer does to us and for us. Prayer alone makes us open receptacles for the grace, the power and the presence of God in our lives. Who hasn't at some point experienced the reality of how prayer can draw us closer to God? And to finish today, think about your prayer life, that is, what you pray for, when you pray, why do you pray, and so forth. What does it tell you about your own spiritual state and your own relationship to God? What changes might you need to make? Monday, March 6, the foundation of biblical prayer, ask God. Question, read Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Before we can receive anything from God, we have to ask for it. Why is our asking so important, since God knows everything anyhow? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 reads, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Asking reveals our desire and expresses our trust in God. Through prayer we approach Him from whom we seek support and help. When we ask God, we also publicly give Him permission to become active in our behalf. God wants to be asked. He desires that we bring to Him our prayer requests. If we do not ask Him, we will not receive the gifts He has promised. Jesus said in Luke 11 verses 9 and 10, Ask, 
and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. For every one who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Question. Read Mark chapter eleven twenty four, 1 John five fourteen and 15, and Psalm 66, verse 18. Why is no prayer request too big for God? Why is it good to know that God is generous and loves to give out of His abundance? What is the prerequisite for God to fulfil our prayers? First of all, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray... Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And First John five fourteen and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. We truly can ask God for anything. No request is too small or unimportant for Him. No request is so big that God cannot handle it. He is omnipotent. By faith we may claim every promise in the Bible and receive the promised gifts from His hands according to His will, as it said in Second Corinthians one twenty. Yet there are some conditions to be met in order to receive what we are asking. If we are not willing to submit fully to God, and if our requests reflect only our selfish and sinful desires, God will not answer our prayers, as we read in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. An important condition for the fulfilment of our prayers is our willingness to follow God's will and to be obedient. As we read in Christ's Object Lessons, page 145, all His, that's God's, gifts are promised on condition of obedience. End of quote. Knowing that God is generous, we can come boldly to Him. From the Signs of the Times of August 7, 1901, we read, The Lord is not glorified by the tame supplications which show that nothing is expected. He desires everyone who believes to approach the throne of grace with earnestness and assurance. Tuesday, March 7. The Foundation of Biblical Prayer. Believe. Question. Read Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Besides asking, what other aspect does Jesus mention in connection with prayer? Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Asking alone is not enough. There is a second important aspect that needs to be present in our prayers, faith. The book of Hebrews tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11.6. 
When we kneel down before God and open the Bible to any of the more than 3,000 promises and then ask God, with the simplicity of a small child, to fulfill His promises in our behalf, we have to believe that He will do what is best for us in His time. Question. Read James chapter 1, verses 6 through to 8. How does the text describe the person who lacks faith? Why is faith a prerequisite to receiving the promised gifts? James 1 and verse 6. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If we come to God, we must believe that He exists and that He will reward those who seek Him. Effectual prayer must be accompanied by a belief not only that God can answer, but that He will do so according to His divine will. In the Bible, believing is related to trusting. We can trust someone only when we know the other person to be trustworthy. When we entertain doubts that God will keep His promises, we waver and cannot expect that we will receive anything from Him. To believe means to take God at His word. It means that we depend on God and His promises, even when our feelings tell us otherwise. For as it says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith clings to God's promises because we trust what He has said. Faith knows that it is impossible for God to lie, as it says in Hebrews 6.18. God is the same yesterday, today and forever, Hebrews 13 verse 8. Faith knows that for God nothing is impossible, Luke 1.37. Faith opens the door to the divine treasure house, through the Holy Spirit, God moves the hearts of men and women to trust the Word of God, and through faith, our prayers move the arm of omnipotence. So, to finish the day, what helps you to grow stronger in faith? What aspect of Jesus helps you to have confidence in His willingness and ability to help you in your times of need? Wednesday, March 8, the foundation of biblical prayer, claim God's promises. All faith is useless if we do not claim the things for which we have prayed. Question. Read 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. What is the reason that we can be confident that God hears us and that we receive what we have requested from Him? 1 John chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. The third aspect of Bible prayer is reception. After asking God and believing His promises, we need to claim what He has promised. 
We claim God's promise by returning thanks to God that we have received it. Thus the promises are applied to our hearts. Ellen White said in Education, page 258, that for any gift he has promised we may ask, then we are to believe that we receive and return thanks to God that we have received. In Luke chapter 8.11, Jesus compares the word of God to a seed. In the same way that the whole apple tree is contained in an apple seed, the gift of God is contained in his promises. When we claim the promise and thank God for it, we always possess the gift he has promised. We receive the promised gift by faith, even though we might not feel or see it. The example of the resurrection of Lazarus in John 11 illustrates that Jesus prayed in this way. Jesus knew exactly what God's will in this situation was. John 11.11 tells us that he was willing to do God's will and that he was obedient. In John 11.39-41 we read that Jesus thanked the Father in advance that he would resurrect Lazarus even though Lazarus was still in the grave. When Jesus had thanked God he did receive the fulfilment of his request. As God's children, we are to live on God's promises, not on his explanations. Even though we can't explain everything, we can trust his promises. Ellen White writes in Christ Object Lessons, page 172, The Lord says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, in Psalm 50, verse 15. He invites us to present to him our perplexities and necessities and our need of divine help. He bids us be instant in prayer. As soon as difficulties arise, we are to offer to him our sincere, earnest petitions. By our importunate prayers, we give evidence of our strong confidence in God. The sense of our need leads us to pray earnestly, and our Heavenly Father is moved by our supplications. So, to finish today, why is it so important to always bring everything to God in prayer? Thursday, March 9, Praying for the Holy Spirit Question. Read Ephesians chapter 3.16 and Acts chapter 2 verse 38. What do these texts tell us about receiving the Holy Spirit in our lives? Ephesians 3.16 That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. And Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are many things we can pray for, but there is one great need in this time of peril in which we live. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the greatest gift that Jesus could give. In giving the Holy Spirit, God could not have given his people more. To this gift, nothing could be added. After all, what could be added to divinity himself? Through him and his work in our lives, all our needs are supplied. The blessing of the Holy Spirit will bring in its train all other blessings. There is, however, one major obstacle, and that is ourselves – 
because we are often unprepared to receive the Holy Spirit. As in the days of the New Testament Church, we have to realize that we first need to repent and surrender our lives fully to Jesus. Yes, it is only the prompting of the Holy Spirit that even allows us to do that. However, when we respond to his promptings, then repentance for sin is the first fruit of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In humility and faith, we need to confess our sins so that he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to understand just how fallen we are and how much we need God and his grace in our lives. Without him, we are lost, dead in our sins, and doomed to eternal loss. Thus, in earnest prayer, we will fulfill the conditions upon which God has promised to give us his Holy Spirit. Then all we have to do is to ask God, and he will gladly grant us his Spirit. As Ellen White writes in Ye Shall Receive Power, page 284, The heavenly parent is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him than earthly parents are to give good gifts to their children. End of quote. As with other spiritual things, the gift of the Holy Spirit is never an end in itself. It is given to elevate Jesus, to reproduce Christ's character in our lives, and to enable us to serve others in building up the body of Christ, the Church. So any worship practice, public or private, that elevates the Spirit above Jesus Christ is wrong. For it is through Jesus that we, as it says in Ephesians 2.18, have our access in one Spirit to the Father. So to finish the day, why is the gift of the Holy Spirit the greatest gift that Jesus could give to us? What has been your experience with the reality of the Holy Spirit in your life? How different would your life be without this gift? Friday, March 10. Without prayer, we would have no spiritual power in our lives, because prayer connects us to the source of that power. Without prayer, we would have no vital link with God. We would become empty vessels who might have a form of godliness, but would be devoid of the power and promise of the gifts from on high. And no question, as we have seen all this week, we have been given wonderful promises about God's answering prayer. But what about the times when we don't get what we pray for? Even when we have sought to meet all the conditions to the best of our God-given ability. From In Heavenly Places, page 89, I read, But be not discouraged if your prayers do not seem to obtain an immediate answer. The Lord sees that prayer is often mixed with earthliness. Men pray for that which will gratify their selfish desires, and the Lord does not fulfil their requests in the way which they expect. He takes them through tests and trials. He brings them through humiliations until they see more clearly what their necessities are. He does not give to men those things which will gratify a debased appetite and which will prove an injury to the human agent and make him a dishonour to God. He does not give men that which will gratify their ambition and work simply for self-exaltation. When we come to God, 
we must be submissive and contrite of heart, subordinating everything to his sacred will. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. In what ways does prayer impact our whole spiritual existence? That is, what effect does prayer have on you when you pray? In what ways are you different after you have prayed than before you did? Two, what do you say to someone who has prayed and prayed for something and it hasn't happened as the person had hoped and prayed for, such as the healing of a sick child or the like? How do we learn to trust God even in situations like this? 3. In class, talk about your own experiences with prayer and about what it means to you. What have you learned about prayer that could help others who might be struggling with understanding the purpose of prayer? 4. Why is it important to pray even if we don't fully understand how it all works? Inside Story Something Beautiful, Part 1 And there's a note from the editor. In the following three-part story, Kim Levin, from Stockholm in Sweden, tells how God transformed her life of misery into something beautiful. For 25 years, more than half of my life, the first thing I did every morning was inject heroin into my veins. I used heroin to get through the day, then one July morning I awoke and knew that I was done letting drugs run my life. I knew I would get sick if I stopped taking drugs, but I was determined to get clean. Drugs were not only my life, they were my livelihood. I had a lovely big house, owned a good car, and had lots of nice clothes. But when I gave up drugs, the beautiful things around me seemed filthy and disgusting. They had been purchased with drug money. I sold or gave everything away. Then, with only a suitcase of things left, I moved to another town. I suffered all the symptoms of withdrawal, but I refused to go back on drugs. I knew if I could only tough it out long enough, I would feel better. Weeks went by, and I was still very weak and tired. My chest hurt, and I could not walk more than a block. I went to the doctor, and after he examined me, he declared... You have a serious heart problem. Your heart is enlarged and is working hard, but it is doing only half the work it should. The pain you feel is angina. It is pain caused when the heart does not have enough oxygen. I realised that, ironically, the drugs I had been taking had masked these symptoms for years. The doctor gave me medicine and sent me home, but I had no real home to go back to. I had been staying with a friend, but my friend could not keep me forever. I was sick, lonely, and homeless. I started calling my relatives. They were happy to hear from me, and happy to hear I was no longer taking drugs. But they had reasons why I could not come and stay with them. Finally, an uncle took me in. He and my aunt were kind to me, and took me to see a nearby doctor. "'Have you taken the medicine you were prescribed?' the doctor asked." "'No,' I admitted. "'I have just kicked a drug addiction, and I don't want to become addicted to these drugs.' 
And that's where we're stopping the story today because it's to be continued in next week's Inside Story. This lesson has been read by Dr Percy Harold in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired. It is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department and through the services of Hope Channel. Remember, God is always faithful.